Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies. A podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 22 of Drink the Movies. I'm Brian, here as always with Michaela. Michaela, big night last night. Big night. Huge, huge night. Huge night. That's right. So the Oscars were last night. We're recording this uh, Monday afternoon. So we've had uh, just shy of 24 hours to let the uh, results of the evening kind of sink in to let the champagne wear off. And just the Oscars, what what do you think? What were your overall thoughts of the Oscars this year? Is you a, know, it was a different year, right? Late, it was a different later year. In the year and... Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of changes, right? So usually the Oscars are held at the end of February. Um, obviously, they were moved out two months. Um, mm. We had extra time to view the films um, because mm-hmm. they were the nominations were still sent out about six weeks prior um, instead of the two weeks prior, because um, usually the nominations come out right after the Golden Globes, mm-hmm. if memory serves. So you don't have a lot of time to watch all the films. There were 56 films that were nominated for various things. Um, so another big change was that because no one's really going to the movies still, almost all of them were viewable. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. In one shape of, or, or form. Right. You could go to that really amazing app called Just Watch and you could see where you could stream things, where you could buy or rent movies mm-hmm. and watch them in the privacy and safety of your own home. So a lot of changes. <laughs> yeah, because all of you know all of the films, like you said, there were 56. Um, we both watched them all except for one. And we didn't, I didn't see any of them in the movie theater. I watched every one of these at home, so. Yes, agreed. Uh, yes, and interesting is that even though it's the day after the oscars that one show is still not available anywhere so i don't know the makers of opera please yeah figure it figure out a way to stream it because i'd love to see it i it's only six minutes long but i i think it's i think it's worthy of my time i just can't find it anywhere so yeah look it looks very interesting so i'm excited to watch it but yeah we'll have to have to wait until it uh, is available somewhere but you know what? Oscars, we, we have a lot to talk about. So what do you think? I think we should probably uh, mix up uh, another one of our drinks that we had for our Oscar party last night and, uh, you know, get those drinks going and then we can talk about the Oscars. What do you think? I think that's a great idea. As long as one of them has smoke. Yeah, that's right. Well, why don't we take a quick break and we will go whip up some of our Oscar night special cocktails and we'll be right back. Okay. So for uh, the Oscars last night, Michaela and I were uh, able to get together. We're uh, vaccinated now. So we got together and uh, decided to make up a couple of cocktails. And I I think they turned out pretty good. Um, we each kind of picked one, right? So I picked a tequila-based cocktail. You picked a gin, uh, gin and champagne-based cocktail. And I have to say, they were both pretty excellent. 
Yeah, they were. I, I think it really does encompass our personalities in a glass when mm-hmm. we're trying to be fancy, right? Because yep. you love a good old fashioned, you're more of a bourbon guy, right? But you love tequila. And mm-hmm. it, you know, I was a little concerned when I saw the ingredient list because it's very, it's got a lot of different stuff in it. So I was like, how is that going to work? And then yeah. of course mine, of course it's pink, which is my favorite color. Um, mm-hmm. It's very shishi fufu, but it's also kind of simple. Um, it's only a couple of ingredients. So if you have any of this stuff around, you can make it on a Tuesday night. It's kind of, and it's, and it's fun. It's pretty. So I, th- I think, I mm-hmm. think we, they served us well as far as from a personality profiling <laughs> You know? Yeah, they they did pretty good, and I they kind of served their purpose. Like you said, yours was uh, really pretty. It was more of a red carpet type of a drink, yes. And and mine was more of a uh, sipping and watching the awards roll out sort of a yeah. drink. So I th- I think that they uh, they served the party pretty well. So um, if you had an Oscar party or if you made up a special cocktail at home, uh, let us know because we would love to see what you uh, were drinking during the awards ceremony last night. But why don't we uh, get into these? Michaela, why don't you tell everyone what you whipped up? Sure. Um, I whipped up a rosebud. It is one ounce of Hendrix gin, half an ounce of rose liqueur, and two ounces of champagne. Um, that is rose champagne. Because mm-hmm. you want to make sure that it stays pink. Um, the rose liqueur that I used, I got from Spirits and Spice. Uh, we were there in Vegas in the before times um, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. And I got something like a half gallon of it because I was crazy and thinking <laughs> that I love the flavor and smell of roses. And so why not? Um, yeah. It's really cool because if you've ever, uh, if you've never gone, um, it's in the Venetian spirits and spices and it is an amazing place to go so if you're ever in vegas and you want to do something a little fun it's a store but they infuse a lot of liqueurs and vodkas and gins Mm. it's really awesome so i went there with my brother um it was a very special trip uh for us and it's one of my best memories of vegas actually believe it or not so it's great so it was kind of neat because i got to roll out this half gallon of roast liqueur and i only used half an ounce of it but um but you put the gin and the liqueur in a shaker, pour it into a coupe glass, and then top that sucker off with some rosé. And um, and then you can put, we, we found these really pretty rosebuds that we laid on the glass mm. as a garnish, and it was real pretty. Yeah, it was really good. If you don't have uh, rose liqueur or you're having trouble finding it, you could probably use... Um, like uh, Kettle One makes really good infused botanical vodka. Um, they have uh, one of those varieties, I think, is grapefruit and rose. Yes. So um, so using something like that as in place of the gin would be a, a good option and kind of get you in the, in the same ballpark. And that's actually what you did for uh, your husband's drink because he doesn't like gin. So Right. I mean, there's, there's, there, no one's perfect, Brian. But yes. No, <laughs> no, no one is. No one is perfect. That's true. But he does. He so yeah. So out on gin, but in on the tequila. So uh, yeah, your rosebud really good. Really uh, kind of set the mood for the fancy swanky Oscar night. But uh, the tequila old fashioned. I was pretty excited about it. We hadn't done a tequila drink yet. So uh, when we were looking for cocktails to do for the party, we decided to uh, to try something up with tequila. So this is a tequila old fashioned. And like you said, it does have some have some ingredients in there, so you're gonna have to uh, do a little a little searching. So, uh, what you do is you take two slices of a nectarine and a Bing cherry, which are kind of these 
bigger, uh, darker red cherries. I just got them in a jar from the grocery store. Uh, you, so you take two of the slices of nectarine and a Bing cherry, uh, two dashes of um, aromatic bitters or like Angostura bitters, and then a tablespoon of agave syrup. If you didn't have agave syrup, you could probably get by with just some regular simple syrup. Uh, but you put all of that into your rocks glass and you muddle the nectarine and the cherry and get it stirred up with the bitters and the agave syrup. And then you add ice to the glass and you fill it up with as much tequila as we want. The recipe I was going off of was three ounces of tequila, which is a fair bit. So you could probably dial that back. Um, for the tequila, we use the Casamigos uh, Reposado. So you'd want to use a tequila that you that you're drinking, you know, more or less straight. So you want to have, you know, a good high quality one. And Casamigos is uh, George Clooney's tequila. That's why we picked that one for Perfect Oscar for the night. Movies. That's right. Yeah, exactly. So you just, yeah, you put the, the tequila in there, give it a good stir. So that way the uh, agave can kind of get mixed in with the tequila. And then you're just going to garnish it with uh, another slice of the nectarine and another one of the cherries. And if you want to be very fancy, which is what we did, and we're going to try to get the clip up one, the website and onto Instagram and stuff, but I have a smoke gun that you can, you know, put smoke into your cocktails. So we did that. So we did a little bit of cherry wood smoke on top of this uh, tequila old fashioned. And I thought it was pretty good. What, what did you think about the tequila old fashioned Michaela? So I was incredibly impressed by it. I was oh, well, a little concerned because it has a lot of stuff. It's a very busy cocktail. And when you're putting it together, it it really is like everything but the kitchen sink. You know, you're you've got a bunch of stuff happening. Mm -hmm. Tequila, um, people seem it, it it's kind of a very polarizing <laughs> um, yep. li liquor, right? So people either really love it, they really hate it. There are songs about tequila makes people's clothes fall off. Tequila makes people you know want to kill people. Like it's very polarizing. I uh, usually shoot tequila that's usually how i get it down mm -hmm. um but i have to say this was delicious um it's it's a bunch of stuff so i wouldn't probably be able to do it uh on a tuesday night and with three ounces of, of tequila it's probably a good idea that i don't do this yeah. on a weeknight and save it for very very special occasions but it was really good and i thought that um it it was really it was just really a neat take on an old-fashioned um, mm -hmm. I didn't really get into old fashions until we started really doing this pod and learning mm -hmm. more about what goes into it and what kind of bitters there are in the world. Like it's been a total educational process for me. So um, I really think this was kind of a, a graduation into the next phase of this yeah. podcast because it was really good. Yeah, there's there's something about the way the the nectarine and the that Bing cherry kind of play with the the flavor of the reposado tequila kind of pulls out some of the fruitier notes of the tequila. And yeah, it was, it was really good. That was excellent. So I'm uh, probably going to have to revisit it again. I had a little trouble getting the nectarines because they're not really in season quite yet where, where we are um, at in the States. So um, yeah, probably, uh, probably try that one uh, again for sure. And those Bing cherries are delicious. It's always good to have a jar of those on hand. So absolutely. That, yeah, they they are the ones that are always in those kind of speakeasy cocktail bars. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you'd see like the big jug of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, man. Yeah, it was tasty stuff. It was really good, too. The fruit was really nice because after you were really good and buzzed, you needed a little snack. You could uh, you have a snack right there in the glass. That's right. So, yeah. So, yeah. So that was the rosebud and the tequila old fashioned. Um, and, you know, now I think we've 
we've got our cocktails made up. I think it's time we take a quick break and then we're going to go right into this year's Oscar winners. Sounds good. Spoiler warning for the Oscars 2020 recap show. If you've not yet seen the Oscars or any of these movies, you might want to press pause, go have a couple of drinks and then come back when you have, because we're probably going to spoil some. I'm sorry. And we're definitely spoiling on who's winning. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you're trying to avoid who won the Oscars, this is not the pod for you. Um, but, but yeah, there were a lot of winners. So when people look back at the films of 2020 um, and they're, you know, these films will stand out as the ones that uh, took home the, the Oscars. There were some surprises, I think. Um, nothing, you know, nothing crazy out of line. Nothing like, nothing mind blowing. But there were, uh, but there were some, there were some pretty, pretty big shocks. I think at least, at least I felt. What did, what did you think overall about the kind of, you know, of the winners here, just as an overall take, Michaela? Yeah, I, I wasn't super surprised. Um... One thing that really did strike me this year that is very different for me, this is my personal belief, is that usually there's one, you know, showing for best picture that just, it just, it blows my mind that it was considered, right? Mm -hmm. It's very hard for me, even as a film lover uh, extraordinaire, to have an appreciation for why things were chosen, okay? Mm -hmm. This year, though, I really thought that everything that was up for best picture was something important, something of note, something that had done and changed my paradigm. Um, and that's, for me, really what it's about. Um, so that was very different this year. Um, yeah, hmm. I didn't, I wasn't, there were a couple big surprises, but nothing that I thought was completely wrong or that I, yeah. you know, disagreed with at the core, you know, of my being the way I have in previous years. Um uh, yeah, yes. usually, yeah, usually there's a couple picks and you can look, you know, a couple years, you know, and in, into the future and you're looking back at who won the Oscars that year and you're like, that one really, that one doesn't make that much sense. But I think these by and large all, you know, pretty much make sense. And I think we'll, you know, kind of stand up to the uh, microscope of time as we uh, go through these here. So, uh, so yeah, we had the, you know, pandemic kind of changed the way that the Oscars looked and felt this year um it was you know in a in a much smaller uh location obviously than than is normal um it was much more intimate um and i i actually kind of like that so you had the presenters kind of walking through the audience a little bit more it was a little bit more uh conversational like i said a little bit more intimate and kind of kind of personal as opposed to you know just stars going up you know one after the next and you presenting their awards how what did you think about the way that the oscars kind of looked and felt this year michaela liked it um first of all i want to tip my hats to the scientists and doctors who helped figure out how to have a live or semi-live uh show in the middle of a pandemic um mm -hmm. a lot of people think that you know everything is over and we're back to normal and people are still dying so it's important that you know we are safe, but the world also really would like to move on. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that the Oscars did really good job of balancing that because it was smaller, but it was also live. So you got to do some of the stuff that I was 
really going to miss if we weren't able to, right? Like looking mm-hmm. at some of the dresses and, you know, talking about um, some of the people that, and that people were able to bring some, you know, one guest. And so we got some banter between husbands and wives and um, people bringing their parents. And it's kind of a mm-hmm. moment of pride for that. That that part was always something I got a lot of joy out of. And I got to see that um, even on a smaller scale. And although the Oscars still didn't have a, formal host. I thought that they did again, because mm-hmm. it was a smaller venue, they had different people kind of hosting through certain parts of it. And I thought that worked really well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I, I loved Regina King. I mean, for, you know, one of the folks who a lot of people feel was snubbed because her film did not get nominated for best picture and she was not nominated for best director. I thought mm-hmm. she showed a lot of grace um, in opening up the Oscars and having, you know, being a part of it in that way, um, because she was still super proud of her film and she should have been. So Mm -hmm. I thought that that was really cool. Um, and I really liked, um, that, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of the president coming out and talking about things for two minutes long. I, I'm glad they cut that. I'm so, I don't, I don't know him. He does not know my name. Um, none of these people know my name, but, but I mean, I, I didn't, I was glad we didn't waste any time on that because right. I felt that that was kind of a time waster. Um, I, w- I thought it was interesting because it still ran over. Yeah. Because, because they put a bunch of stuff into the pre-show and I liked that too. So they had, I think they had the president, you know, did it, did his spiel that was in the pre-show. They did all of the musical numbers in the pre pre-show. And I actually liked that a lot because I do think in a normal Oscar year, when they perform the songs, in the show, I think it kind of takes away from the flow of the show almost. So I actually liked having them, uh, you know, kind of presented as part of the red carpet uh, special um, and the way they were, you know, able to do that, have those filmed and or going on live a couple of them, I think. So, um, so I thought that that was, that was an interesting take out and that was a good take, but yeah, it, it ran over and it's hard to really kind of figure out where it went. None of the speeches seemed to be, that long i'm not i'm not really i'm not really sure where the uh where the time went but yeah it it uh it definitely bled over for sure yeah yeah i mean the only the only thing from a programming perspective that i was disappointed tr- truly disappointed in was the memoriam yep because yeah it, and that I, didn't I, that didn't take up the uh extra time for sure it, that was that was pretty much uh just uh breezed right through so i don't i don't know if maybe they do two versions of that you know, maybe they do normally do like a longer one and then a shorter one, maybe because they saw that they were running out of time so much. Maybe they threw in the shorter one. But yeah, it was it was very it was very odd. It was not like memoriams that we normally see. Yeah. I mean, usually, right, they'll have someone come out and sing a song. And I understood that they couldn't do that this year. Um, but I mean, I, and I know maybe an inordinate amount of people died this year. I mean, that's possible too. Um, yep. It didn't feel that way, but it, it felt like we were running through names and we had people's names on the screen. By the time you were done reading their names, it was onto another person and you couldn't mm-hmm. stop and think about who they were and what they contributed to film or anything. And it used to be, um, I, I remember, you know, getting very emotional in that point and, being able to have kind of a moment of thanks within myself to be like, you know, you Mm -hmm. were a great director. Thanks for giving me my favorite childhood film or whatever it was. And this time it was like Christopher Plummer. And then 30 seconds later, it was Chadwick Boseman. Like Mm -hmm. there were a hundred names in between the two of them. And that was really tough. It was just tough. So, 
yeah, that was interesting. And then I, the award ceremony ended. They, you know, they gave the uh, award for the best actor in a lead role, and and then it just ended. <laughs> they didn't they didn't talk about it or say anything about it, and that was that was kind of a, a surprising uh, pick. And we're we're going to get into that, but yeah, it just and then it just ended so abruptly. It was it was just kind of it was it was kind of a strange kind of last bit of the bit of the award show but but by and large i i was pretty happy like i said with the way it was presented i like how the how the presenters uh were kind of handled and um the way it looked and the way it felt and i think being kind of a smaller more intimate affair i think that that you know gave a lot more focus to the people that were actually nominated you know instead of getting you know kind of washed out in this you know sea of other you know celebrities so kind of the focus was just on just on the people that were there for the awards so yeah yeah definitely um so there are some things you know i think they should they should keep uh keep and there are some things they should definitely revamp next year the memorial guys Mm -hmm. revamp it please do do better do better let's do something (laughs) better on that but but everything else i thought was pretty good yeah. So well, what do you say? Why don't we uh, get into the uh, into the awards themselves, Michaela? Yeah, let's do it. One of the things that did also change that is worthy of note um, mm-hmm. is that they changed the order in which they give the awards because usually best picture is last, mm-hmm. right? They go through supporting, then they do lead actor and actress, and then they do best director, and then they do best picture. This time, it was best picture and then best actress and then best actor, which I mm-hmm. thought was very strange. And looking back at some of the clips um, today, I don't think anybody else was expecting that either. So I don't know what the thought process was behind that is that they needed to do that in case they got cut off because people needed to watch the news at 10. I don't know, but it was, it was strange. Yeah. It's, it's hard to say for sure. So. So for best animated short film, the nominations were Burrow, Genius Loki. If anything happens, I love you opera and yes people and if you'll remember we weren't able to see opera because it's the mm-hmm. only film that is not findable anywhere so um we both picked if anything happens i love you and we were right because yep. that is what won that was what won uh a really excellent film i really love the art style and uh you know really support the message of that one uh you know their uh, acceptance speech was uh really uh elegantly done as well i think so yes uh it's totally worth your time i definitely think if you're not going to watch all of the short films you should definitely watch that one it's it's like 11 or 12 minutes long and it's fantastic um and it's uh that one's available on netflix so if you if you want to check that one out it's uh there in their oscar collection so and for the next categories we had the best live action short film and the nominees were Feeling Through, The Letter Room, The Present, Two Distant Strangers, and Wide Eye. Um, and the winner there, uh, Michaela and I both had this one right as well, was Two Distant Strangers. Yeah. Yeah, this this really made my night. Um, I was a little worried because they're all really good. And The Letter Room was exceptional. And The Present, I thought, was probably going to get more votes. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know what, you know, I don't know what the actual, uh, turnout was, but I was so glad that two distant strangers won. It's a very tough film to watch. 
Um, it's 30 minutes long, but it is totally worth your time. And if you know, you are undecided about how you feel about some of the racial tensions that are happening in the American country right now, um, it's worth really watching that because I think it puts uh, some great things into perspective. Um, no matter where you come from on this planet um, or what you look like, I think it, it's a really important film. And I was so, so glad that it won. It, 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 it got the attention that it deserves and more people need to see it. Definitely, definitely. So yeah, check that one out for sure. That one is available on Netflix as well. Uh, so Netflix you know, starting off uh, good here with their uh, films they're covering this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, the next uh, category was Best Sound. And the nominees for Best Sound was Greyhound, Mank, News of the World, Soul, and Sound of Metal. This was another kind of trifecta for us because we both picked Sound of Metal to have mm -hmm. Best Sound. And we were correct because it won. So that was exciting. Yeah, that one, a really great kind of amalgamation of, you know, natural sounds and kind of this distorted sound uh, that, you know, really plays up, you know, what it might be like to lose your hearing because, you know, that's not something that a lot of people have any experience with. So you're able to kind of, you know, take yourself out of real life and, you know, place yourself into what that situation would be like for someone. Uh, so really cool. I really loved the, the sound editing in that one. Yeah, it was excellent. Excellently done. And I was glad I got some love because I, you know, going in to this season, I didn't know how much, uh, how much best, you know, sound of metal was going to get. Cause it, it was up yeah. for, it was up for a lot, but there were so many other strong films. I'm glad I got, mm -hmm. it definitely deserved this one. Yeah. And it, yeah. It, and it did, as we go through these, uh, sound of metal did much better than I expected. And I think uh, a lot of people expected, but yeah, it was, it was really good to see, you know, something, uh, interesting and, you know, kind of a, a much different story, uh, get a little bit of love that I didn't think they were going to get. So, yeah. All right. So the next category up, we've got the best original song. So we've got fight for you from Judas and the black Messiah. Hear my voice from the trial of the Chicago seven. Husevic from Eurovision, Low Sea Scene from The Life Ahead, and Speak Now from One Night in Miami. Uh, the big winner here uh, was Fight for You from Judas and the Black Messiah. And that was one of the ones we saw on the uh, red carpet. Uh, spectacular there. Uh, really good. Michaela, you and I both were incorrect on our best original song pick. We were, we were incorrect. And, you know, looking back at these, I picked Husevic Eurovision because I just love the song and the song mm -hmm. was actually part of the film. Low C scene, which was what you had picked. That was, I, that was the favor uh, mm -hmm. contender. I mean, everybody thought that was going to win. Um, yeah. I, I was happy to see um, fight for you win, though. I had only heard it maybe once or twice um, outside of the film. So mm -hmm. uh, seeing it again in the black, you know, at the black carpet preview show, um, I thought it was good. And I'm happy for them. Judas and the Black Messiah did not get a lot of love um, this this uh, this year, right? They, I think, they only won one other award. So um, mm -hmm. I was glad that they got recognized for, um, you know, their that song's contribution to the movie. Mm -hmm. Yep, definitely. So the next was also musically based. It was best original score. We had The Five Bloods, Mank, Minari. News of the World and Soul. And you and I both picked Soul and we were right because Soul won Best Original Score. 
Um, how do you feel about that? I'm not, I wasn't surprised. I don't think anybody was really surprised on this one. No, definitely not surprised. Uh, like you said, we both got this one right. And um, if you did our Oscar picks competition, uh, it didn't seem like anyone was surprised there uh, either because uh, like like uh, 90% of the respondents also picked Soul. So that was uh, definitely the clear favorite uh, amongst uh, us and the listeners this year. So so yeah, Soul, really, really great score. Um, so you had uh, Trent Reznor and um, Atticus Ross and uh, John Batiste there doing that one. So uh, so excellent. I might just have to... Uh, to pop that soundtrack on sometime to just uh, give it a listen through, you know, outside of the film and see what I think about it. Yeah. And I thought it was really uh, nice. Trent Reznor has won, I don't know, like 87 Oscars and Grammys and, you know, Mm -hmm. he's, he's won a lot. So he didn't speak. He let other, you know, the other two gentlemen speak um, and give thanks to their audience, which was really, I thought very gentlemanly. Um, Mm -hmm. That was, that was cool. Um, it's always interesting to see people give thank you speeches. Um, it's one of my favorite things about the Oscars, right? When the first time I saw the Oscars and was when Cuba Gooding Jr. won for Best Supporting Actor and his thank you speech is something that will sit with me forever. And I thought that that mm-hmm. was really um, something that was a little more subdued this year, but I still I still thought that it was it, it was cool to see everybody kind of giving their thanks to if they, you know, had a microphone for the entire world to listen for 30 seconds, what they would say, you know, what neat. you would say. Yeah. For and sure. in this case, what you, what you wouldn't say, because he was, you know, he was like, I'm going to let the other folks talk. I thought was neat. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Especially you're on kind of a, a time crunch there. So, you know, how to, how do you divide up that time if you've got, you know, multiple winners up there, but yeah. Uh, really good score, really good uh, acceptance feature, so for sure. All right, next up, we've got the best visual effects category. So we had Love and Monsters, The Midnight Sky, Mulan, the one and only Ivan, and Tenet. And uh, Tenet was the big winner there for uh, best visual effects. We both uh, had predicted uh, that one correct. And I think that was uh, pretty uh, just uh, winner there on that category. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the way in which they handle the time travel aspect of that film is really cool. Uh, I was glad to see that it got some sort of recognition in that way. Um, mm-hmm. It was it was not my favorite film of the year. So um, but it that the, there was no arguing the visual effects were, were pretty stunning. So mm-hmm. um I was kind of sad. I, I mean, if, if Love and Monsters had won, I would have been surprised, but I would have been really pleasantly surprised because I, I really think that's a sleeper film that years from now, we're going to be like, that was one of the best films of 2020. I really think because um, it, it's so good. So, yeah. 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 Check out Love and Monsters for sure. But yeah, if you can, <laughs> if you can wrap your head around Tenet, uh, you know, that one's, that one's worth watching just to see uh, what, Nolan and team could do visually with you know how that story was told was was really something to to see so yeah I think I'm gonna have to I'm gonna watch it again because I think that it's worth you know a second look so our next category is best makeup and hairstyling the nominations were Emma Hillbilly Elegy Ma Rainey's Black Bottom Mank and Pinocchio 
And this was one we both got wrong <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because Ma Rainey's Black Bottom came up from the bottom and moved to the top and was picked. And it was, yeah, it was picked. Yeah, we were, we uh, both were wrong on that one. You'd picked uh, Hillbilly Elegy, I'd picked Emma, and yeah, Ma Rainey's uh, came through and won for that one. Uh, now, looking back on it after after it won, um, kind of in the moment, I was kind of surprised. But but looking back on it, I the you know the makeup, the hairstyling, uh, you know, kind of is, is a small cast, but um, it was all really well done. And then um, obviously the uh, costumes also really well done. We'll talk about it here in a second. But but yeah, so when they when they announced it, yeah, a little surprised, but but on on reflection, I, I think that that was probably a good pick. So. Yeah, I really didn't think, I don't think I paid enough attention to the transformation that Viola Davis had to do Mm -hmm. um, from a makeup perspective. The opening scene was really awesome because you, there's a there's a little girl running in the woods and you think that she's maybe running from something that's chasing her or she's scared, but she's in, she goes to this big tent where mm-hmm. Ma Rainey is giving a concert kind of in, the, in a tent in the middle of the South. And it's um, her, her makeup is uh, atrocious, like, you know, in compared to 2020 and 2021, right? right. It, it's very different than what we would expect. Like I, the first time, she comes on screen. You're like, Ugh, what, what is happening? Um, but it's very, I think, telling of the time and what was popular in, mm-hmm. you know, the time the movie was set in and how they depicted that was really good. So I think you're right. I think, you know, it wasn't, it, it didn't do to me, it didn't achieve the same effect that Hillbilly Elegy did for me, but I understand why they made that choice and I'm okay with it. I wasn't, I wasn't mad. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, sticking with uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom here. So the next category, we have best costume design and the categories were Emma, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, Mulan, and Pinocchio. Uh, you and I had both picked Mulan, but yeah, Ma Rainey's uh, came up on on the uh, the two technical uh, categories there for makeup and hairstyling and and costume design. Uh, what do you what do you think about the costumes and Ma Rainey's? I you know, the, the gentlemen all looked, you know, really good, really kind of decked out there in this band. You had, uh, Ma Rainey herself, uh, you know, uh, her costuming was, uh, really well done and, uh, kind of the, the sets and the atmosphere of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, you know, it's kind of in this big open room where they're recording this, you know, band session, um, Mm -hmm. and then kind of in the recital room. So there's not a lot going on other than the characters. So there's not much to, in terms of, you know, things to look at visually. So it's playing a lot onto the costuming. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I should have paid more attention to, uh, I should have really thought about this a little bit more, I think, because Mm -hmm. I, when I liked Mulan's costuming because of all of the soldiers that had to be done. And then specifically what Mulan's character had to do because she was dressing as a, as a man, um, what I didn't think about was that the costumes within Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is so prolific throughout the actual script, right? Because um, the gentleman in his yellow shoes and how he keeps his, you know, suit just so and how, mm-hmm. you know, Ma Rainey even is, you know, kind of making sure that she looks a certain way and she's straightening things and she's telling her entourage to straighten themselves. And because, you know, they didn't, they, you know, suits 
were very expensive and, you know, they didn't have tons of them. Right. And that sort of attention to those details, I think I just missed. Um, so mm-hmm. I was okay. I, you know, I was really happy that um, they were given uh, the kudos that they deserved for helping to create that picture. Because right. as we talk about the next uh, category was best production design. That's who I picked for best production design. Um, mm-hmm. And they didn't get that, which um, was sad, but definitely a worthy, worthy candidate. I'm, I'm again, I wasn't super surprised or upset. <laughs> I think that they did, they, they did well, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. So for best production design, um, we had the categories or the nominations were the father, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, News of the World, and Tenet again. And mm-hmm. um, Mank actually won its uh, only, well, its first of two Oscars for mm-hmm. best production design. Yep. Yeah, that's right. You and I had both picked the uh, the play adaptation. So I'd chosen The Father and you had chosen Marani's Black Bottom, like you just said. But yeah, Mank wins its, uh, wins its first one here. Uh, what do you think about the production design on Mank? So it's it's got a lot of old uh, Hollywood, a lot of time in this uh, kind of hotel boarding room house kind of kind of thing. Um, but you do get you do get some uh, good out on the town uh, bits and just the way that it looked and kind of captured, you know, Hollywood. I guess would have been like what in the nineteen you know twenties thirties, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of in that time frame. So so what about that one? Production design for Mank. You know. <laughs> I think that I'm, I, I, I was torn because I really loved the look and feel and the details in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, even though it was only in like one room or two rooms, right? Uh, you spent a lot of time in this very small space. Mm-hmm. Mank, on the other hand, you know, they did, they did movie sets. They talked about the studio doors. They made that look very real. I know it was mm-hmm. filmed in black and white, but also the, the dinner party evenings with mm-hmm. um, Hearst, right? That was... Yep really just dripping with, you know, delicacies on the table and a lot of shimmering things and very, um, uh, you know, over the top, right? Very, very right. what you would think would have been like in, a, you know, the area of Vanderbilts and stuff, right? So mm-hmm. I'm really, I think they got it right. I think Mank probably got it right because there were a bunch of different places that they needed to design and juxtapose these bigger kind of places with this very small kind of cabin that he's writing in. Um, right. You know, I think, I think they, I think they got it right. I think they got it right. Yeah. Well, I'm going to, going to stick with Mank here. So the next category up, we've got the best cinematography. Um, this one was a little uh, bit of a surprise to me. So we had Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, News of the World, Nomadland and Trial of the Chicago 7 were the nominees here. Um, now, you and I had both picked Nomadland for cinematography, and I think that most people probably also picked Nomadland for best cinematography, but Mank winning uh, its second of the two Oscars it took home this year. Uh, so what do you think about the cinematography? I, you kind of talked about the way that, you know, kind of these shots were set up. Do you think that that was pretty warranted, the way they were able to, you know, kind of film this you know, kind of varying uh, levels of, you know, intricate scenes. So what do you, what do you think about the cinematography, Michaela? I don't know. I think, 
I think I am not very good at greeting cinematography is what I think, because I <laughs> okay. still think, I mean, I still think Nomadland, I mean, the camera and the shots and the scenery was like a, a character in mm-hmm. that film. It was like her best friend and right. um, the loneliness that you would feel and the, the also hopefulness that you would feel all mm-hmm. of that was around the scenery and how things were shot and in Mank, I just didn't see any of that. And that's probably, again, because I am not uh, woke, perhaps, in the cinematography, all the, all the things that make cinematography great. So, and I'm right. fine with it. Um, yeah, I was surprised. I'm glad Mank did well, because it is a good film. I don't get this one, though. I didn't understand this choice. Yeah, it was, it was a surprise to me, for sure. Um... And especially, I mean, even if you looked at some of the other ones, I, I think you could probably make a case for that. So yeah, so Mank was definitely, definitely a surprise to me. Um, it did look good. I, like you said, it's, it's probably going to be worth going back and rewatching because that was one of the uh, earlier films to be released of all of these films. So I uh, might just have to go back and look at it through the, uh, through the eyes of a cinematographer and see if I can pick up a little bit more on you know what yeah. the uh, academy was seeing so yeah i definitely think i'm gonna have to rewatch mank um for that reason because next year i'm going to get this category right <laughs> that, that's right there you go that's your we'll hold you to that that'll be your uh, that'll be your goal for uh, goal. 2022 oscars yeah yeah well um apparently i'm not a great film editing um judger either so we had best film i don't i don't think anyone was to be honest here for this one so yeah so best film editing um the nominees were the father nomadland promising young woman sound of metal and the trial of the chicago seven and you and i both uh dug down and we dug in and said trial of Mm -hmm. chicago seven go go big or go home and uh and we went home because uh sound of metal won Sound of Metal did win. Yeah, if uh, we dedicated an entire podcast episode to all of the things that we loved about Trial of Chicago 7, and one of the big things that we loved about it was the film editing. So uh, much to our surprise when it did not win, uh, but in fact, Sound of Metal won, which I don't think really was on uh, anyone's radar. Uh, To be exact on our Oscar picks, uh, we we had two categories where only one person chose the correct winner and this was one of them so uh yeah so just uh one person in our oscar picks thought sound of metal uh was worthy there um yeah i don't i don't know and like like we've mentioned a couple of times i really love sound of metal and you know not to not to say anything you know against the way that it that it looked but that one was a little bit of a head scratcher to me michaela i agree i loved sound of metal okay i uh, have a lot of love in my heart for this subject matter in particular um mm-hmm. i thought it was brilliantly acted so i totally got why riz ahmed was up for best actor i th- i think um the best uh supporting actor also was amazing mm-hmm. um I, th- I thought it was beautifully done i don't really understand this choice uh i i get the sound editing i just don't really get the film editing so again i think this is one i'm gonna have to take back and rewatch and see if there were you know some nuances that i missed um Mm -hmm. because i i was happy to see that it won but i i 
after rewatching Trial of Chicago 7, I, you know, I reaffirmed that mm -hmm. it definitely should win for best film editing because it had such a tough job and such a big story, complicated story to tell. Mm -hmm. And The Sound of Metal doesn't really have that much. It's not a complicated storyline. There's like four people in this story, right? right? There's one big challenge. It's it's not, uh, it's just not the same. So I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It, it puzzled me. Yeah, yeah, a little controversial there for me too, but uh, but yeah. So we're going from a category where uh, had a had a big surprise no one saw coming to the one that everyone saw coming. So we have best animated feature film. We have the nominees of Onward, Over the Moon, a Shaun the Sheep movie, Farmageddon, Soul, and Wolf Walkers, and uh, Soul won that one. So so we go from our last category. We had one pick. Uh, that was correct and this one everyone uh picked correct except for except for one so the uh complete opposite there so uh yeah soul was there was never really any doubt that that one was going to be the the winner there Michaela I don't think what no what do you think can you could you make a compelling argument that it upset one of the other films or <laughs> no I think we talked a little bit about this in the pre-show too you know I read an article that said hey you know soul doesn't need to win I mean, not every Pixar film needs to win. You know, I loved Onward. I loved Over the Moon. Over the Moon, I really liked uh, for a couple of the songs. I thought they mm -hmm. were really, really well done for animated film. Like I, I would, li I listen to these songs now mm -hmm. in, you know, my, my, my daily repertoire. I, li sure. I love the music. Onward, I thought was an absolutely awesome story. I just loved it. I think it's an adventure. It's about family. It, it, it's also kind of adults because there's some, there's death, you know, in it. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, there's a manticore who serves burgers again. I mean, it, it's, it's wonderful. So for me, it was tough um, because I loved Onward, but Soul, I mean, there was just no way. There was just no yeah. way anybody was going to, it was going to upset it. And, you know, we talked yeah about these animated films a couple of times, but yes, Soul was just kind of in a in a different category almost than than these other ones were yeah. not to take anything away from those because like we'd mentioned we you know really liked the other uh, animated films as well and they're you know worth checking out um but yeah yeah soul was soul was always uh, destined to win there so yeah yeah so now we're going to get into some documentary business um mm -hmm. first uh is the best documentary short subject and the nominations for that were colette a Concerto is a Conversation, Do Not Split, Hunger Ward, and A Love Song for Latasha. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we had a, a bunch of good uh, documentaries this year, uh, and I I was correct. So Call Out was the big winner there. Now you had went with Hunger Ward, which was, which was about, um, and our Oscar picks, it was about half and half. So we had uh, some for Call Out, some for, uh, some for Hunger Ward, um, love song for uh yeah a love song for latasha um so kind of split you know everyone mm -hmm. had kind of their their own opinions on that but obviously i picked call it so i you know felt that it was worthy to win but looking back on these uh, short documentaries do you think that that was a good pick or do you think very hard for me um you know hunger ward was just very tough subject matter and it was mm -hmm. it it didn't it didn't tell the story perhaps that Colette did. Um, and yep. what I mean is, you know, there's a beginning and a middle and an end. 
for anybody that doesn't know, Hunger Ward is about a literal hunger ward that's in Yemen where you're seeing, you know, um, it's the pediatric ward. So there are children that amongst other things that could be wrong with them, they're all malnourished and it's Mm -hmm. very, very difficult to watch, but you're not really, uh, uh, you know, they don't go into the details of why Yemen is in a war, you know, why this mm-hmm. is continuing to happen, you know, so I, I understand, whereas Colette had a beginning, a middle and an end. Right. Um, and I mean, all of these dealt with tough subjects. So it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be a race to which is more desperate and awful. Right. Um, sure. So, you know, I was fine with Colette winning what I was really most okay with was how they accepted that award. And this is a perfect example of when you have 30 seconds to talk to the entire world, Mm -hmm. how you do that. And the way that they really within, you know, paid homage and honored all of the other nominees in this category was Mm -hmm. really beautiful. And it of course made me cry um, because, you know, the whole thing was, this is really horrible. What happened but, you know, it's really horrible what's happening in Yemen. It's really horrible what happened to Latasha. She deserved better. It's horrible what's happening in China. It's horrible that a man had to, you know, um, deal with racism in, in mm-hmm. the time that he did. I mean, it's horrible for him to have to deal with it at all um, yep. and put, putting that in a song. I mean, I just thought that was really beautifully done. So I'm okay with it. I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't mad. You know what I mean? It was yeah. fine. Um, and it and it was really beautifully done, Colette. What I mean, it was beautifully shot. I, you do for the most part when these you know actors and directors and writers are winning these awards. You know, by and large, they're all pretty respectful of their you know compatriots. You know, the other nominees and things. But it, it's it always seems like the documentary filmmakers are really appreciative of what the other documentary filmmakers did because they kind of are you know, cut from the same cloth, right. To, to tell these stories and, and how they do it. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Sure. Well, going on, we go from short subject documentary to the full length documentary. So the best documentary feature we had nominees were collective Crip camp, the mall agent, my octopus teacher and time. Uh, now we both picked Crip camp. We were both incorrect because my octopus teacher was the Big winner there. Uh, Michaela, if anyone listened to our 2020 year in recap, I had said that My Octopus Teacher was my favorite film of last year, and I wanted to pick it, but my head said no, um, but I should have went with my heart. You should always go with your heart on these things uh, because My Octopus Teacher uh, took home the prize. What do, you, what do you think about that, Michaela? I think that you should follow your heart. I think that next time... Um... Yeah, next time. It's a good lesson. It's a good lesson to learn. Um, I loved my octopus teacher. For me, this was a, this was a, it was between Crip Camp and my octopus teacher, to be honest. Collective, Mm -hmm. I think, got a lot of notoriety because it was in two categories and it was like, how, how does that work? And, um, and it, it tells a very, it tells a true story that is very, um, it's almost unbelievable how it goes down. So Mm -hmm. I thought that, you know, there was a lot of buzz around that. And so I was really expecting collective to win, to be honest. Um, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad my my octopus teacher won. I thought it was absolutely gorgeous because it's, it's underwater and it's, it really, um, it was in some ways lighter subject matter, 
because it was not a person. Mm -hmm. Um, So people, I think, felt like um, it was going to be easier to watch. And, but also it really helps us question our humanity and our cycle of life because we, you know, what can we possibly learn from an octopus? Um, and the answer is quite a bit about ourselves and about yeah. kind of the environment and things that, you know, maybe we aren't thinking about, um, on a day-to-day basis. So, yeah. Yeah. So my octopus teacher, yeah, good, good pick. Like I said, I, I should have went with my heart. So yeah, yeah. But Crip Camp, it made me sad. It made me a little sad because the the folks from Crip Camp actually were there. Um, mm-hmm. So some of the main um, uh, players there, um, people who were part of the sit-in, people who went to the camp, people who are still to this day fighting for mm-hmm. um, the rights of different abled folks. I thought that that was, um, it was sad to see them go home empty-handed because I, I really love that story. Um, so you should definitely watch my octopus teacher, but please also make some room in your heart to watch Crip Camp because you won't regret it. It's definitely a feel good. It's a feel good documentary too, which is really nice because some of these subject matters are real dark and hard. Um, Mm -hmm. but it, it feels good at the end and, and yeah, it's good. Yep. Okay, so I know we talked about Collective as being part of the Best Documentary Feature. It was also nominated for our next category, which was Best International Film. So um, the nominees for that were Another Round from Denmark, Better Days from Hong Kong, Collective from Romania, The Man Who Sold His Skin from Tunisia, and Kyo Vadis Aida from Bosnia and Herzegovina. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you you this last talk you talked about you know your next time you're going to follow your heart i uh i picked collective because i thought it would probably win Mm -hmm. um but i seem to remember saying that i really struggled with this because i really wanted another round to win and it did win and you got it right (laughs) because you did follow your heart on this one and um yeah next time i'm gonna follow mine because i i was very surprised yeah, you have to go with your heart. Yeah, uh, big win for another round um, out of Denmark there. Uh, really excellent film. Uh, definitely worth, we talked you know quite a bit about uh, this category um, in our preview show. Uh, but yeah, just the kind of the story that it tells, like I said, and how, uh, you know, you can kind of apply uh, these lessons and, you know, kind of... <laughs> the joys and sorrows of life and to your own life, um, I think is really good and a really interesting story. Uh, and the, the director of another round, you know, suffered some, uh, great personal loss, which way braver than I could have done, uh, you know, keeping it together, uh, going through his speech and, you know, discussing, you know, losing his daughter, uh, you know, as the, you know, the film is, you know, basically just getting, getting started and, you know, how to, how to, you know, persevere and get that done while also dealing with that loss. But yeah, it's uh, kudos to him for, you know, getting up and, uh, you know, going into that in front of the whole world. So. Yeah. Um, again, I, I was so happy to be wrong on this one and it, I don't mean to pull anything from collective cause it's a brilliant film, but I was so happy to be wrong. And then the poor guy comes out, um, to accept, the award and you know i mean god bless him it was awful <laughs> it, what he it, i mean his speech was beautiful it was just 
really hard. And I had no idea that that was, that -hmm. was the case, right? When you, when you go see a movie, um, you don't think about that, you know, things could be going on inside these actors and movie makers lives that are really great or really awful. Um, and, and now I'm going to go back and relook at this with a different set of eyes. Um, mm. I'm also making a personal commitment never to text and drive. And I challenge everybody else to do that. Yes, definitely. In the honor of his daughter. So, yep. Yes. Very good call. All right. Well, Going on, we're into the screenplay categories. So we have the best adapted screenplay. So the nominees for that one were Borat, Subsequent Movie Film, The Father, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, and The White Tiger. Uh, now this this was a pretty good uh, category. Uh, maybe uh, maybe Borat you could you could uh, take out of there, but the other four were all really excellent, and uh, we were both right on uh, our prediction on this one. So The Father was the big winner here for the adapted screenplay. Uh, what do you think about that one, Michaela? Was that a was that a good pick by the Academy? I think so. I don't think it was super surprising. I I didn't know what the original uh, Barat subsequent movie film mm-hmm. media was. I I don't know if it was just because it was based on a previous character. I I don't know. Um, but definitely the father. I think that the way that they tell the story of a person who's struggling with dementia or Alzheimer's, and the way that that affects the family was Mm -hmm. really it it, just really beautifully done um it didn't feel like a play and it's very hard to do that um Mm -hmm. one night in miami i remember watching it and i was about 30 minutes in and i thought to myself this is a play this was a play Mm -hmm. and i had to go look it up and i was correct um you know it's really hard to take a play that has a fourth wall and break it up into something that is not super dialogue e right and mm-hmm. you know you get tired because when you're watching a movie it's different than watching a play um so it's just your body kind of reacts differently to it um receiving that information mm-hmm. um i think they got it right Yep. I think they got it right. I do think that if you've not seen One Night in Miami, it's wonderful and everybody should see it. It's it's really good. But um, I know that I, I heard that that was the favored one. I don't know if I really believe okay. that um, because the father was so palpable. But I thought um, if we weren't going to win for the father, that One Night in Miami might take it away. So I was, I was mm-hmm. surprised. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that was a good one. Like I said, I think uh, kind of the the writing and the stories, um, you know, for, for at least those four, the father of Nomadland, One Night Miami and uh, the White Tiger were all really excellent. But yeah, I don't, I don't think that the father to me was, was much of a surprise. I thought that that was probably the, the best of the bunch and a pretty good bunch there. So. Well, the next one was really awesome because it was best original screenplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the nominations for that were Judas and the Black Messiah with written by Will Burson and Shaka King. Menati, written by Lee Isaac Chung. Promising Young Woman, written by Emerald Fennel. Sound of Metal, written by Darius Martyr and Abraham Martyr. The Trial of the Chicago Seven, written by Aaron Sorkin. Um, you and I both got this wrong. We were sticking, we were on the train to Chicago. We were yeah. Trial of Chicago Seven all the way. And... Um, we were wrong. We missed. Uh, we missed this promising young woman one, Emerald Fennel. Yeah. Uh, and I got to tell you, I'm so glad. 
uh, I'm sad that we that, that trial Chicago Seven didn't get it. Um, but I was really glad that something wonderful happened for Promising Young Woman because mm-hmm. it just didn't. Th- I didn't think that it was going to get a lot of love, and I was right. I think this is the only thing that it that it took home. Um, yeah, we we talked about that um, a little bit last week, right? That it just as much as we both like Promising a Woman and how great we both kind of think that it is, it just felt like that that was something that was going to get overlooked. So, uh, yeah, so I, while we were wrong, it, in this instance, it felt very, very good to be wrong, I guess, yeah. in this one. And we weren't the only ones that were wrong. The uh, Aaron Sorkin won the Golden Globe for uh, Best Screenplay as well. So, uh, you know, kind of a, a little shake up there, but yeah, big win for Emerald Fennel. So that was, that was really good to see and, you know, hopefully shed a little bit of light on it and get some more eyes onto uh, her film there. Yeah. All right. So we're, uh, we're making our way through here and we're into the uh, acting categories. And so first up we have the best supporting actress. So we had Maria Bakalova from Borat subsequent movie film, Glenn Close from Hillbilly Elegy, Olivia Coleman from The Father, Amanda Seafried from Mank, and Yu Young Young for Minari. And uh, we were both wrong, and a lot of people were wrong, and a lot of people were excited for this victory, and rightfully so, because Yu Young Young from Minari was the big winner here and supporting actress. Michaela, what do, you, what do you think about that? I was so happy for her. I was so happy for her. I did not know her. I did not know much about her until we did the preview show and mm-hmm. they did kind of a close up of where her life was. And she had done a lot of movies in, um, in her home country. And she, when she came to America, um, you know, she, mm-hmm. she's not doing those movies anymore because she's here. And so it was right. really great to see that um, really kind of, very long varied career be given the opportunity to perform again right Mm -hmm. but also she did it flawlessly i mean that character is amazing um in in minati minati um i was sad because i love glenn close and this this was her 12th this was the 12th time she was nominated and didn't win um i think she is the long long She's got the most nominations and not having one. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of am okay with it though, because I think at this point, um, then they're going to give her a lifetime achievement award and it's going to be amazing. And, right. you know, Yu Jung Young, I hope I'm saying that right. She was so gracious in her acceptance speech. And so that was, that was lovely to see. I just, I couldn't be mad <laughs> about it, but, um, and Glenn Close you know, I think she's learned a lot um, in her, you know, in her younger days, you could tell that she would get upset. I think now she just doesn't let it bother her. There's this, mm-hmm. the, you know, later in the show, they're talking about music and she gets up and actually does the butt dance um, mm-hmm. and she's laughing and having a good time. And she's an actress. So maybe inside she was completely heartbroken, but I thought yep. she handled it really, really well. And she was very classy. Um, so keep it classy, Glenn Close. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> that's right i'll be right there for your lifetime achievement award standing in the in front cheering for you because you deserve something yeah and i i was wrong on this one as well i'd picked olivia coleman but yeah i think you jung young uh looking back on it i think that you know she was definitely the the right pick there and i did like in the kind of preview show she was you know one of the 
one of the people in attendance. So we actually got to spend quite a bit of time with her doing some interviews and stuff on the red carpet. So getting to learn more about her story was was really great, uh, really nice kind of kind of highlight for me of the kind of overall things, the things that you learn and take away from, mm-hmm. you know, these uh, silly award shows. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. So the next category was Best Supporting Actor. Nominations were Sasha Baron Cohen for The Trial of Chicago 7, Daniel Kaluuya from Judas and the Black Messiah, Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami, Paul Racy for Sound of Metal, and Lakeith Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah. And this was one where, you know, I, I don't I don't know because you have the uh, results. Mm-hmm. So it'd be interesting to see how many people thought anybody other than Daniel Kaluuya was going to win. Um, we both uh, picked him and we were right. Um, yes. Yeah. So uh, about 75 percent of the respondents also picked Daniel Kaluuya. So, um, you know, kind of pretty much the uh, front runner there um, had won the Golden Globe, had won the Screen Actors Guild Award and uh, kind of, you know, completed the award season, you know, taking home the uh, Oscar there that night. Yeah, I don't I don't think it was a surprising. Um, and it was nice to see uh, that Sasha Barr and Cohen looked genuinely pleased. Mm-hmm. as well for for Daniel so um because I think really those were the two top contenders um yeah. which is interesting because both of them were really I mean we, we've talked about this a little bit already but this this category was kind of weird this year right like Keith Stanfield could have easily been a lead Daniel Kaluuya mm-hmm. could easily have been considered a lead Sasha Baron Cohen could have easily been been considered a lead Mm-hmm. Um, the other two characters definitely were supporting ca- characters. So I feel like in some ways the category is messed up and, you know, <laughs> we, we need to do better at defining supporting versus, uh, you know, actor in a leading role. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that given the, the, the list of what we had, it was the righteous choice. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, you know, kind of split the screen time, but, it's kind of a situation like we would have had uh, last year with um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where you have Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio, who were, you know, roughly the same kind of thing, you know, roughly 50-50 there in that story. And they were, you know, in separate categories. So, but yeah, I, you can't argue with uh, the pick of Daniel Kluya there. Uh, very uh, powerful uh, performance. So, and I, everything that he's done has been great. So it'll be fun to see whatever he's got uh got lined up next so yep for sure can't wait all right so uh moving into the best actress category we have viola davis for ma rainey's black bottom andrew day from the united states for spilly holiday vanessa kirby for pieces of a woman francis mcdormand for nomadland and carrie mulligan for a promising young woman uh were the nominees there um and kind of the favorite um kind of all year going, you know, into award season was Francis McDormand. And then uh, it started to uh, get shaken up a little bit as we went through the awards, but Francis McDormand ultimately uh, brought home the uh, prize here at the end of the Oscars. Uh, we were both wrong. You went with the uh, Golden Globe winning uh, Andrew Day, and I had picked Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. But yeah, Francis McDormand uh, gets her Oscar. So what do, you, what do you think about this category? This was This was a tricky one. Um, good picks, but, but what do you think? Um, 
I was disappointed. Um, I, I mean, Francis McDormand's character is amazing. There's a lot of nuance in it. It wasn't a, a real person that she was emulating. She was like an amalgam, I think, because um, this is an adapted screenplay. So, it, it, mm-hmm. I, but it wasn't like she was playing a person the way uh, Andrew Day was playing Billie Holiday, right? That's what I'm trying to say. So I think she did a great job. It's it's really not surprising that she won. I think if I'd, if I'd have put my jaded hat on a little more, um, I would have picked Frances McDormand having thought about it. It seems to me mm-hmm. almost foolish not picking her now. Right. But I still think that if we are going to reward, you know, Renelle Zellweger for doing Judy, we should definitely have done that for Andrew Day. So I don't, I don't, I'm not happy about it. It's, but it is, it kind of is what it is. Um, or Carrie Mulligan, because both of them had to play really daring uh, kind of roles that were fairly controversial, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and all of them, all of these ladies did it, did, did what they did flawlessly. It's, I just think that room could have been made for someone other than Frances McDormand. She's already won an Oscar. And I understand that um, it's based on whatever the performance is and not like over the course of their life, but right. um, Yeah. And she's, she's actually, so this was her third Oscar um, in an acting category. She also won an Oscar because she was uh, a producer on uh, the film for Nomadland. So she won an Oscar uh, for that and spoilers. So, so yeah, so this was her third acting uh, Oscar. So on one hand, I mean, you can't say that she wasn't excellent in it because she was, but on the other hand, you know, she won three. Let's, let's, uh, let's uh, let someone else win one, maybe <laughs> Francis. Yeah. And I, and I, I think maybe she kind of felt that way because uh, her Oscar speech was, not, was uh, left, left, some things to be desired right i, I, don't, yeah, I don't know was, right it was like 10 seconds long maybe she knew that we, they were running over at that point but she was just like yeah um thanks bye you know it was <laughs> um I, I mean hey who, who knows right we don't know what's going on inside anybody's mind i think maybe mm-hmm. she was she was surprised um Andrew Day, if you're listening <laughs> we love you and i'm so i'm i'm you were amazing and yeah you did an amazing job. I, yeah, it was great. <laughs> so for best actor, moving on from one, from one upset to another big upset, right? Uh, the best mm-hmm. actor category or nominations were Riz Ahmed for The Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Anthony Hopkins from The Father, Gary Oldman and Mank, and Steven Yeun from Minari. And... You know, I I want to know, did anybody pick someone other than Chadwick Boseman in our list? Because we did. Yes. So we we did not. So we had uh, one uh, submission that had picked Anthony Hopkins uh, to win the Best Acting Award. Um, Every, not everyone, had picked Chadwick Boseman. Uh, which was kind of a surprise, but yeah, just one person had picked Anthony Hopkins yeah. for that one. Um, yeah, I, all signs pointed to uh, Chadwick Boseman for winning this award, um, Golden Globe, Screen Actors Guild. Uh, but yeah, Anthony Hopkins takes it. Now, I will say that Anthony Hopkins acting in The Father is is spectacular. So you can't really you can't really say it was it was a bad choice or the wrong choice, but it was a surprising choice, I think. 
Yeah, I think you just said it as about as eloquently as I could have hoped to. So that's because <laughs> he's amazing in it. I mean, he's amazing in it. And I think that if it might have steered people in a certain way because Chadwick Boseman is not going to be able to come back to the Oscars next year and mm-hmm. give us a different performance. So if we're really balancing those two performances against each other, I can see how people would say Anthony Hopkins was the stronger choice. Um, yeah. It just was very surprising. And and I, I don't know if it was done by design. We talked about it a little bit earlier, how the award, this was the last award that was given. And they said the nominees and they said Anthony Hopkins won and the show ended. So you didn't even get like a, like a feel for like, like what, how the room responded to, to the pick or anything like, like literally they said Anthony Hopkins, Anthony Hopkins wasn't there. Um, so it literally, it just show ended. <laughs> yeah. Just I like mean, that, I don't so. even remember them saying, okay, that's it. Thanks so much for everyone. Congratulations to all the winners and good night. Like, I don't remember them doing that. I, yeah, I don't I mean, remember. It was the end like, of the night. I'd had a lot of champagne, but I don't I remember do, it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't remember credits rolling or anything. Like, it, like it just, it just ended the show. Right. So, I don't, Anthony I don't Hopkins, know, but, bye. But yeah, so An- Anthony Hopkins uh, takes home the best acting trophy. So yeah, mm. yeah. This, this that it was, it was very All surprising. Right. Very surprising. It is surprising. So we'll go from. We go from two categories that were not surprising to uh, two categories here that uh, were not surprising at all. So uh, we have Best Director, and the nominees in this category were Thomas Vinterberg for Another Round, David Fincher for Mank, Lee Isaac Chung for Minari, Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, and Emerald Fennel for Promising Young Woman. And the winner here to uh, no one's surprise really was Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, uh, who is who you had picked. I, I was, uh, I was going for a little bit of an upset in my pick. I picked Lee Isaac Chung for Minari, but yeah, I think uh, Chloe Zhao pretty much had this one in in the bag from the time that the first critic saw Nomadland. Uh, what do you think? Is that a is that a good pick? Can you argue against it or or for well, it or? Yeah, I I'm. It's not surprising. It was not surprising to me. Um, I think it was a very safe choice. I will say that. Now that I know what I know about Thomas Vinderberg, I really think that, you know, not enough mm-hmm. could be done to pay homage to him because that was pretty, um, that's pretty crazy. And talk about like performing and creating something beautiful under adversity, right? Mm-hmm. Emerald Fennel, I also didn't realize that she did, she, she did the filming of Promising Young Woman in three weeks and she was eight and a half months pregnant. So she yeah. almost delivered her baby you know, like while she was doing that. And having once been a pregnant woman, I think that that's pretty incredible um, to put something so great together um, while you're, you're going through that uh, in mm-hmm. your life. So it wasn't surprising to me that Chloe Zhao won. Yeah, I think... Um when you look at kind of these films, if you, if you took Nomadland as a story, uh, kind of a story treatment and how you're going to make it into a film, there are a lot of ways that Nomadland could have went wrong and it didn't like it, you know, and the way that she did it, it it worked out uh, really well. And, you know, told this great story where, you know, a lot of people could have tried to tell the story and it would have, uh, fallen flat on its face. So, yeah, I think 
like I said, she was, she was the one pretty much that was always going to win. And I think that uh, probably rightfully so for her. So uh, congrats to uh, Miss Chloe Zhao there for her win on that one. Absolutely. And I, I will say it was nice that there were um, two women directors mm-hmm. that were noticed and, you know, um, given kudos. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of really awesome uh, women directors. I, I thought it was great um, that we had a, a, you know, a person of color be a direct, you know, uh, Lee Isaac Chung. I, I think we need to really open up our minds that, you know, they, directors can direct very different things. They don't, they're not going to direct something that's just from their experience. And, mm-hmm. you know, but even if they do that, there's nothing wrong with that. Like we, you know, again, we talked about this, right. Being educated and entertained, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that we're getting better in the director category. And I just wanted to acknowledge that because I remember for years, it was all men directors and there were some really amazing women out there that were putting out great work and weren't getting the getting the recognition. Yeah. That they yep. deserved. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So last, but definitely not least, we uh, finally got to best picture. <laughs> this has taken almost as long as the Oscar Oscar show. Um, and for that, I apologize because it's all me waffling, but best picture nominations were the father Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minati, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago Seven. And I think uh, we've 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 let the cat out of the bag, but uh, Nomadland ended up taking this one home. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, you know, both of us, both Brian and I, chose uh, The Trial of Chicago Seven as the best picture. Um, I don't know, Brian, how you feeling? So. Yeah, so Nomadland was was pretty much the the front runner this whole Oscar season, right? And we talked earlier about how we should always go with our heart and not with our head. And I think, well, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, but I think even in the moment, if you would have really asked us, you know, to put a million dollars down on who we thought was going to win, I don't think either of us probably would have picked Trial of the Chicago Seven for a million dollar bet. I think we probably would have taken Nomadland because that was the the smart pick. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I would have loved to have seen Trial of Chicago 7. I still think for me personally, that was the best um, of these films. It was the best made. It was kind of the, the tightest, best presented one. But uh, I mean, you could have given this award to, yeah, to most any of these. And I think that you could make the argument and that it was uh, justly deserved. So, uh, so yeah, so I'm okay with uh, Nomadland taking it. What are what are your thoughts on uh, the 2021 Academy Award winning Best Picture, Nomadland? I thought that it was definitely the safest choice. Um, I think you're right. I think that if if it was like a million dollar bet of what was going to win versus what should win, um. And there's a lot of articles written about the Oscars, right? Where they're like, who's, who's, who's nominated, who's going to win, who should win, who should mm-hmm. have gotten nominated in the first place. Right. right. Um, so, you know, I think maybe 10 years from now, I'm still going to feel the same that the trial of the Chicago seven should have won. I think it's a, it's a really, you know, it's my personal favorite. It definitely changed my paradigm in a, in the biggest way. Um, mm-hmm. All of these films did, though, for me. I mean, this was a 
hugely educational year for myself, learning in, about, you know, just a different way to think, a different way to think about history, a different way to, um, to learn about my own self and things that, you know, my, my biases and the, the way that, you know, I feel about getting older, the way I feel about men, you know, <laughs> you know, the, the father was great dealing with your, you know, parents who have, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's something to be said for every one of these, but I think yeah. you're right. I think it, it, it's a mix, right? Because you want to listen to your heart, but you also, you know, for the sake of, of, of voting for these and, and beating you, I need to think more. <laughs> I need to think more about what's actually going to win and yeah. not just what should win. So, um, yeah, I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't super disappointed either. I, it was very, it was not surprising to me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I sure. think I would have been a lot more surprised if Chicago, if the trial of Chicago seven had won. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I think, you know, had anything other than Nomadland won, that would have been the, the bigger surprise, but yeah, yeah like I, I, these films were all excellent this year. And I think when, you know, we get a couple years beyond this, I think, you know, we'll look back at Nomadland and still, see it as being you know a brilliant well-crafted film um and i think that you know a lot of years you definitely can't say that you know through the through the lens of time uh how these things will hold up but i think you know in addition to nomadland i think kind of this whole slate of films right there um you know you'll be going back to watch you know years from now and Mm -hmm. still kind of getting the same feelings you did here uh, this year, watching them, you know, the first time or two. So, so yeah, so that's the Oscar winners this year. So we had a bunch of entries into our competition. Uh, So the the, uh, winner had 16 picks, which is more than I had. It is more than you had. That is, that's really good. 16 out of how many, 23 categories. Is that right? So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's pretty good. Now, um, our final tally, if you were not keeping track, Michaela, you had nine correct picks this year. Now, that's pretty good. Nine out, nine out of 23. Uh, pretty pretty good. Um, let, I'm going to have to How tally, many did you I'm, have, Brian? I'm going to have to How tally many? mine up here right now. Um, let's <laughs> see. Oh, I am just barely getting into double digits. I had 10. So my Oscar crown and scepter and ruling voice over the Oscars, at least as far as the Drink the Movies pod goes. Uh, I am still champion. But yeah, six, 16 right out of 23. That is, that's really good. So yeah, whoever that is, uh, you know, uh, if you get notified, um, you should go buy a lottery ticket or yeah. something because yeah, you know or maybe, lot. maybe, maybe this person is on the Academy. I don't know for <laughs> sure. But um, keep an eye on your uh, email inbox. And I'm going to send out the uh, an email to you so we can get your way to get your glass to you um and congratulations on that and thank you big thank you to everyone who took the time to fill out our little oscar pool pick them thing so uh definitely big shout out to everyone out there who took some time to do that so absolutely yeah this is a really uh something that's just very near and dear to our hearts we love oscar season and award season in general it Mm -hmm. really helps put the cherry on you know, a year of movies for us. So um, I also want to shout out if anybody is now uh, seeing some new stuff, 
uh, because we have been in Oscar land watching Oscar films for the last yeah. two months. Um, so if anything has come out that you uh, particularly have seen and thought was great or thought we should totally avoid, whatever, um, you know, please send us a note. Yeah, let us know what you're what you're watching, what we should watch, if you, uh, what your reactions were to the Oscars, if you had any, you know, upsets or things you were really excited about or snubs or, you know, any of that stuff. Let us, you know, let us know all that stuff for sure. Um, and you can do that on our social medias. So it's at Drink the Movies on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook.com slash Drink the Movies. Uh, you can find our website at www.drinkthemovies.com. Uh, we'll have the recipes for our Oscar drinks. We'll have some pictures uh, put up there, episode recaps, all that good stuff. Uh, so go and check that out. Uh, Michaela, why don't you tell people where they can uh, rate and review the podcast? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere Anchor Podcasts are distributed. We'd appreciate it if you subscribed. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review because it really helps us get all the Drink the Movies stuff out there. Absolutely. And yeah, Oscar season, award season, come and gone for another year. It's so yeah, we're going to de- we're gonna have to decompress, uh, watch some, uh, watch some uh, happier films maybe here for, for a week or two. And then, yeah, we're going to get right back into it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Something maybe a little bit lighter. Yeah. But I, I think, I think I have enough nectarines to make one more of those tequila old fashions so yeah well that sounds like a really good idea so why don't we go we'll mix up our we'll mix ourselves up another tequila old-fashioned and maybe we'll talk about blockbusters (laughs) that sounds good when we see everyone next time on drink drink the the movies. movies oscar champion until next year